Hey everyone, Sebastian, uh, excited to introduce our next guest, good, dear friend of mine for 20 something years, has made hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate and gold, talking about state of the market, where things are at and where we are going. I think you don't wanna miss this one. Check it out. I'm uh, Richard Stewart and um, 75, 75 years old. Add that in there. Years young. 75 year, whatever you want to call it. It's, wow. a, it's a, the first time I've ever been at this age. You look amazing. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, kind of weird being in the room with a bunch of young, good looking people, but it makes me uh, a little nervous, actually, you know. But um, I have the tendency of saying whatever the heck comes up. I don't have, a, it. I don't have like something back here that's telling me this is all bullshit and I shouldn't be saying this. And this is what I say because it's going to make me look good. Oh, thank I God. Get in trouble my type of people. Because I've got, my wife won't let me do that. And I've been married 55 years. <laughs> so 55 pretty, years. That's really yeah, impressive. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Did you get a letter from the president? For what? Like at 50. Is it 50? I think at 50, you get a letter from the president. It was more than that. He didn't even know. Is there a president that sends letters out these days? I don't think he actually sends it anymore. But... There's an assistant who gets it stamped. You know, <laughs> no, I, I'm proud of that. You know, I'm proud of that. That's amazing. It's really something to be proud of. My children are proud of it. My family's proud of it. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking because we did it, they'll do it too. You know, mm -hmm. love so, it. It's the example. Maybe so, before we get into the capitalism talk, do you have any for Valentine's Day tips oh, on yeah. how to I'll talk your ear be married for 55 years? Yeah. What, what's what, led to what the success some, in your yeah. relationship, you know, honestly, first of all? The thing is that when I first got married, when I, you know, I got married, I met my wife in the uh, early 60s. And uh, the second I saw her, I knew she was my wife. Because you know? mm. I was already in my life, I was already... Now we're getting into weird stuff. No, I love it. I'm into it. I am into it. So first, love at first sight. I, I, I was I was dreaming about a girl that I had never seen before in my life when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And, mm -hmm. and I kept having this dream and I'm going, God, who is this girl, you know? And then um, I decided that I'm going to make my own telegram. Is that how you say it? Telegram? And I started visualizing what my wife was going to look like when I saw her and that I would recognize her. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I had this visual, you know, there was every now and then I drive, walk, driving down the street and I see a pretty girl like you and I go, no, that's not her. And I say, no, that's not her. She's beautiful too. You know, and I had this visualization, you know, and I just knew when I saw her, I was going to recognize her. And um, I went to this, this dance one night. I was in the army and I was asked to go to this party because I had gone out with this girl once before I was shipped off and I came back. And um, when I came back, my best friend's girlfriend kept saying, you've got to go and tell this girlfriend of mine that you're not going to date her because she's just crazy about you. And I was like, I really, it's not. I only talked to her a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I didn't look like this back then. Okay, I looked a lot. I looked like this. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, so I, um, I went because they were bugging me. And, um, and I, I went that night and um, 
It's, and I was going to tell this nice girl, well, you know, it was nice, but I don't think we're getting married or anything. We've only gone out once or twice and it was insignificant, but you're a beautiful person. And whatever you'd say nice to say, please, I don't know how this got like this. <laughs> anyway, please so stop. I show up and my buddies over here and his girlfriend's over there and this girl's over there and it's a Catholic wedding. And and they're not, the girl's not coming over to talk to me. So I'm like, what the heck am I doing here, right? Mm -hmm. So it's around nine o'clock at night. And um, all of a sudden, I see a bunch of people walking in the door. And I see a couple of old ladies and a, a couple of old guys. And then this, they kind of separated and in walks this girl. And I go, Ch -ch 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 -ch. that's her. <laughs> that's why I'm here. <laughs> and I hit my buddy and I said, there she is. That's my wife. She just walked in the door. I've got to go over there and talk to this girl. Wow. So I get up now. And by the way, I had a three-piece suit on and I had already tried to help him open up a keg of beer and it blew up. So I smelled like a brewery. <laughs> I was in the army. I didn't even have a beer yet, but I would smell like a brewery, you know. And I, I got this going against me. And as I get up and I walk over to the door, I'm ready to just say, hi, I'm Richard Stewart, you know? And just as I'm going like this to say hello, because I am aggressive, not nasty aggressive, but mm -hmm. someone that's not afraid to talk. This girl that I'm there to talk to. Oh, no. no. It's like we're going like this, boom, <laughs> and we meet right here, boom. And it's like, she cuts in and she says, hello. This is my boyfriend, oh, no. Richard, and oh. this is my cousin, yeah. Esther. Oh. Oh. Now, wow. what do you, do? you guys are in a sales company, right? You understand how you got what you have to do to close the deal. <laughs> I'm now at this dance in this strange town. I just introduced to this girl by the girl. I'm mm -hmm. It's not really my girlfriend, mm -hmm. you know, and this is her cousin. Now, how do I work around this? Oof. Well, I, I'm curious. <laughs> what did you do? I just kept Go walking on. up and asking her dance. Mm. And the other girl never came over and she never said another word to me the rest of the night. So I kept going over. I sat down at the table and I figured if I can get her a little irritated, that means that she has an interest. <laughs> and I don't know. For mm. some reason, that's what I thought. And so I kept saying, look, you know, you and I are supposed to be dancing at least. She said, you know how to dance? I said, you get me on the floor and I'll show you I can dance. And I made sure I could dance in those days, right? But I got her on the floor and that was it. We never left the floor the rest of that at night. Nice. And uh, and we've been dancing since, except for now my knees are broken down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so no. that's a bummer getting old. What did you explain to her about her cousin? I was a total misunderstanding. Truth. I said, gee whiz, you know, I really, I'm really shocked that she introduced me as her, her boyfriend because I went out with her like twice before I was shipped off. And then I, I came back and, and she was, I told her the truth, you know. And so she was afraid. My Esther is my wife's name. She was afraid to actually participate with me there because this was her cousin and this was yeah. a rough city and all the other girls were going to gang up on her and my wife was 17 at the time you know and this is like you know what am i doing here was this mm -hmm. the girl? no this was in a, a city called socorro texas hmm. socorro stands for help that's right i remember yeah so we're in in texas and so you know um 
So I get her on the dance floor and she was impressed because I could dance and I asked her for her address. I said, uh, no, I asked her for her phone number. She says, oh, I'm not giving you my phone number. <laughs> I said, well, what am I going to have as a way for me to find you? Because I'd like very much to, you, you're important to my life. I my think. cousin. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, she, so she gave me her address and her address was Route 1, Box 326, Coral, <laughs> Texas. And I, how do you figure that one out, right? <laughs> so I went back to the barracks that night and I couldn't sleep because I met my wife and I was Aww. excited. And that was in August, you know. And um, so I, I started writing her a letter and I think I wrote it 20 times because I was afraid that I had a misspell in there and I didn't want to look stupid. <laughs> and then the first thing in the morning, I picked up the phone because I knew what her last name was and I decided I'm gonna ask information for someone with the last name in mm -hmm. that city. So I called the first person and I said, hello, is Esther there? And he says, oh, no, no, this is Esther's uncle. <laughs> you called the cousin. <laughs> I said, she was, I'm sorry. I said, do you have her number? She said, of course, it's 859. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have her phone number. So I sent her this letter and I said, you are just incredible. You're just a beautiful soul. And I really want to be, be with you again. And I'm not trying to be overly aggressive. But I just want you to know I have your phone number. Here it is. <laughs> but I'll honor you and respect you. So you tell me when I can call you. This is my phone number. Wow. And so I ended up getting a date with her. And that was it. That was uh, our wow. Did That's you get beautiful. stationed again somewhere else? Or did you, no, get, did you have another no, tour? No, I was, when I was in the military, they, the military, um, um, I don't know why they picked me, but um, I guess I'm going there. Yeah, okay. Go okay, there. so um, myself and uh, about eight other people, men, uh, were picked to go to Aberdeen Proving Ground. And that was uh, Edgewood Arsenal, Maryland. Um, and so, you know, they, they showed us all these films and they said, if you go to this place, it's going to be like heaven, it's paradise, because you won't have any other duties other than you're going to be testing top secret, top secret weapons. And I thought, wow, okay. That sounds fun. Yeah, you know, and they showed these rifles and they showed all these different things in the film. And then they had all the, the lady military, the girls, you know, wax and waves and whatever they were called at the time. I don't know if they still call them that, but, and they were all there too. And they basically, you know, they actually were servicing us. Like they served the, the meals. And mm -hmm. so we're going, wow, we're going to a base. There's a lot of beautiful women and we're going to be able to do top secret experience that, experiments we were going to actually have top secret clearances i volunteer so i volunteered along with 3700 other guys at fort bliss and they picked me it's i think seven or eight others wow so now i am sent to aberdeen proving ground and the rest of the barracks all went to vietnam that's oh, wow. the time it was so they all went to vietnam and i'm sitting in aberdeen proving ground and i'm going wow <laughs> what a, well, I, I don't know why Either I was too stupid or <laughs> they needed all the guinea pigs. So I was actually a guinea pig and I didn't realize it. All right. So the first thing they did is they put me in a gas field to see how long we could. We no could wow. Stay. Yeah. Oh, my God. And and uh, they were shooting over us like basic training. They were shooting over our heads, Pachoom, pachoom you know, uh -huh. and we've got these gas masks on. And, um, and so I'm now crawling in this gas field. And then finally they go okay all clear so we all stand up okay and um and when we, we stand up and they say all right take your masks off and so 
So now I'm going, okay, now there was four of us in that field. One guy, his name was Pratt, beautiful guy, nice guy, he was one of my buddies. I don't know, and there was a black guy, two Italians, and a, and a Polish guy. So I don't know, they must have what they were picking on, but I was the Italian guy. So Pratt now pulls his mask off and he goes into a tailspin. He starts slobbering, blah, 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 oh, no. spinning like this, and it goes bang right on the ground. And I'm going, Hell no. <laughs> I think it's funny. You know, we're all guys. We're all in our 20s and we're all screwballs. Guys are, yeah. guys are, you know, that's the thing that I had to learn in order for me to stay married 55 years. <laughs> we're going to come back to that. Just come up with all these stupid things because I'm sure you've mm. experienced men and we come up with stupid things. We no. Say. Never yeah, I know, I know you, you mm. never experienced it. <laughs> so we say stupid things because, you know, we, we're guys and we were taught to be stupid. And women, we respect women. I, I respect women. I think women are far more superior on this planet than men. I think they are the source of heaven and God. Mm. You know, we come from women. They're tra we're trained by women, you know, and I won't go any further. But, uh, <laughs> and that was a great <laughs> That's all we Women need. That is sufficient for the day. <laughs> Cut that one. Every day I tell her I love her, and every day I tell her I appreciate her. You know, and I and I listen to her feelings. Not as much as I should, but I make sure that that's an important factor because women understand emotions and feelings a lot more than men do. We were shut down on our feelings. Oh, you're going to be a sissy. You're going to cry. What the hell? What a baby you are. <laughs> but it was okay for my little sister to be crying and having her emotional feelings. You know? So that was it. When I when I almost was divorced in, in, um, after 34 years of marriage, we made it that far. But, um, uh, you know, I had to learn that there was other emotions other than anger, you know, because mm. I was I was really stuck in anger. Of course, I was in the military. They they betrayed me. You know, mm -hmm. my folks betrayed me, you know, as a kid, you know, as I was growing up because they all everyone has their problems in life, you know. Mm. And, you know, I, you know, my folks were married young. I was the firstborn and they were in their own problems. My mother, beautiful Italian lady, had have a mastectomy at 32. Mm. Wow. That's sad, you know. It's, mm. it, what goes through the mind of the man and what goes through the mind of the woman when you're dealing with that, you know, that's that's a sad thing, yeah. you know. And I'm the oldest son, so I've got a lot of responsibility. You know, mm. you know for, so. For context, where were you raised? This I was raised in upstate New York. Rome, right? Yeah, Rome, New York. Yeah. You know, so, you know, so now I'm in this field and I'm thinking, that's cool. I think I want to do it too. Right? I want to spin. Oh, yeah. I want to spin out myself. <laughs> what the hell? We're going to yeah. be cool here. You know, they're filming this, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, my buddy, the Italian, uh, uh, John, John, another John, John pulls his mask off and he goes, you know, the same thing slobbers all over and goes down. That wasn't alarming to you? That wasn't like, holy shit, what is happening? Well, honest to God, I was thinking these guys are going to outdo me bullshit. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm going to be better than they are. This uh -huh. is an act. Yeah. yeah you See? thought they were faking it, right? We're, that's right. You thought they were faking That's right. We Whoa. were a bunch of screwballs. You know, mm. we were all being having fun, fun and oh. having fun. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking, okay, well, watch me. I'm going to outdo you guys. Yeah. I pulled my mask off. <laughs> there was nothing I could do. I was like gone. Yeah. Because 
bang, instant hallucination, instant wow. slobber, wow. instant what a mess. Yeah. You know, so now I'm laying on the ground and I'm unconscious, just like they were all of us, all four of us were unconscious. And then they shipped in this helicopter to come and pick us up and take us to the, to the hospital. And I'm in, in the hospital, you know, um, like for like six or eight days, you know. And, oh, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. So it's like finally they tell us, okay, you can leave now. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm in Aberdeen and I'm thinking, hey, you know what? Let's take a trip upstate New York. My family's Italian. And we're going to go meet my family. We're going to eat a bunch of good Italian food. And you're going to see where I was brought up. Let's all make that trip. So I get the guys together and, you know, and uh, there's a, the, the small guy, his name is Hester, not Esther, Hester. And we're, we're going to, we're, we're in the car. So we, we rented a car and we're upstate, heading upstate New York. And we decide we're going to stop in a bar. In that place, the bar was more like a restaurant to eat, but they call them bars. They had a pool table, you know, they had a place to get sandwiches, you know. Did you notice the bracelets on your wrist at that point? Or? Yeah, they put a bracelet. <laughs> they, we all like had a, a it was a top secret bracelet that had a caduceus on it okay mm-hmm. which is a snake that's around a sword which is a medical symbol right uh-huh. so i've got this bracelet it's sterling silver and if you flip it over it said this person is the property of the u.s government and if he's in trouble you call this 800 number we're talking in 1966 can't admit him to a hospital <laughs> don't but you you call that number. That's we'll, right. We'll deal with it. You can't do anything with him, but you call us. Context matters. Keep yeah. going. It's a good story. Wow. It's cold in here. I'm cold. Oh, can we turn I just oh, the air. Yeah. yeah, thanks. And I look at that. I don't know if I'm excited or free. A little bit of both. So we're now driving up to going upstate New York, and um, we stop in this this bar, and Hester, the smallest of all. He sees these local girls come in, and they're good-looking little chicks, you know. And and of course, we're guys, you know. We're always looking for where we're going to get a date or something like that. And um, so, so uh, Hester goes and sits down with him, and he says, "Hey, you know what? Let's have a party." And the bunch of local guys come walking in, and they see these GIs that are messing with their local girls, and the fight starts. All of a sudden, we're in a fight, and it's got hard. <laughs> And the bartender calls the cops and we're surrounded with cops. These guys come and, you know, they pull us all out. And we're all lined up against the curb. And the guy looks at this bracelet. He says, oh, it's one of you guys. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, I guess so. Helicopter comes in. Takes us. <laughs> I don't know who brought the car back, but we, we end up with back in the same hospital. <laughs> we never got to upstate New York. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, no, they were given freedom to go. They were put on authorization to go, right? It was all, I think, part of the experiment. See what happens when you put them back into the... Into the the world. Back into the world, see what happens. So now, now there's four of us that we all get thrown in the hospital, and they, they, I don't know what happens and how we draw these straws, but one guy gets to eat and sleep for the next three days. One guy gets to eat, but no sleep. One guy gets to sleep, but no eat. The other guy doesn't get to eat and doesn't get to sleep. Pratt, the black guy, he didn't get to eat or sleep. I got to eat and sleep. I was pissed because (laughs) I wanted to watch television beyond nine o'clock, but I had to go to sleep for sure at nine o'clock, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, 
it was um, interesting. It was interesting. Now, before we went in, the first thing they did when we arrived, they gave us math test. Uh -huh. So, like, they would give us a sheet of addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and they would say, all right, how fast can you go through this? And, you know, I was good at math. Spelling English, I sucked at. But math, I was great at. So, I'd max them out. I'd max them out. I'd max them out. Every one of them. And um, then they gave us these coordination tests where they had these pegboards and they had these blue pegs on the top and you flipped it over. There's always one empty. You flipped it and you put the red one on top and then you flipped them all and you went like this. So the, eventually the whole board was all red instead of blue. I maxed that out too. So now on the third day, we all are taken to this big open room. It's bigger than this room altogether. Matted walls matted floors <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> something's up <laughs> but you don't get a chance because every day they drew blood from me okay they mm -hmm. took they took my blood out and then they gave me a, a vitamin b shot so now uh, every day they took blood out and they gave me a vitamin b shot today we go and we're going to go into this big room and they took the blood out and they gave us a shot but the shot was a hallucinogenic mm -hmm. scopolamine if you look up scopolamine oh. It's the deadliest drug on the planet. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so I basically. Um, In this room, you hallucinated then. Hallucinated. I lost everything. I mean, there was no way I could. They gave me the math question. I couldn't do one. The only thing I remember is I had a special nurse and she looked like you. <laughs> and all I could do is look at how beautiful she was. <laughs> I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't figure one and one. I couldn't flip the board over. And uh, I was docile. I did not get aggressive. I was hallucinating like mad. Mm -hmm. Whereas Pratt, who didn't get to eat or sleep for the same period of time, he went bonkers. He, he was irate. He was through the boards against the wall. Mm. You know, he was pushing mm -hmm. everyone around. You know, he was just um, lost, mm -hmm. you know. And for probably three days, we were out of it in that room. They filmed us. And it took me to try to find out about that because it was top secret. And if I would have, I couldn't even tell my family when I got out of the military. Mm -hmm. I mean, me, uh, this, this is a podcast. If you're going to post this, this is the first time I've ever said this in wow. public. Wow. Because wow. it was top secret. It's fifty years later. You're you're covered now at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's more than fifty. It was nineteen sixty six. So and so yeah. So you're in the middle of the Vietnam War. Yeah. We're in the middle of the sixties, which is a wild time. And yeah. the U.S. military was testing. You got MK Ultra. Um, you got a lot of other uh, yeah. super soldier kind of um, experiments going on, and you yeah. find yourself in the middle of this. And you know what? I mean, it was scary because just, you know, it's like today, you wonder if someone commits a uh, felony, you know, in the military, you know, in those days, they would tell you, you're going to get a court martial, you're going to be thrown out, your whole life is messed up, you can't tell anybody this is going on. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I went home and I, I could have applied for disability, mm. you know, and uh, my father said, you know, he didn't know what happened to me because I couldn't tell them what happened to me, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't apply for disability because I did not want to spend my life, okay, with a Correct. mental thought that it's okay, I can justify mm -hmm. not being a success. Mm. You got that? Love that. Mm -hmm. I got it down pat. I don't have to be a success because I'm I'm wounded. I must I'm I'm disabled. Mm 
-hmm. and I would not go for it. So where did you get that from? Where did you learn that? Because that, that, that is a, no, it, it, it isn't a very common belief system, it seems, at least in this day and age. Now it, it's more like we're yeah. really into that. Like, hey, like, yeah, I think I if you gave everybody the option of like, are you experiencing this, 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 yes, yes, like yes. they're going to sign up for it, especially if they believe that they're going to get something out of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a woman who made the news a few years ago um, because she she put her welfare check oh, yeah. as part of her uh, prenup. And I quote, I worked hard for that shit. <laughs> Literally, she, she felt like filing the paperwork and whatever she did to make sure she maximized on her welfare check. That was so valuable to her that it's like, yeah, you, you can't have part of that. So how would you, how did you come up different? I, you know, I was first up as a kid because I was, you know, um, when my mother gave birth to my baby brother, uh, I was seven and, um, and, and my mother didn't come home from the hospital because she had complications. And as you can see, I mean, she was in her 20s then, but by the time she was in her 30s, she'd already had multiple surgeries and a mastectomy. God bless her. She was, she was suffering. But my father brings my baby brother home and puts him in a little crib. And he says, all right, you're the boss. You're in charge of this house. You're responsible. I'm seven. When I look at kids at seven years old, mm -hmm. my grandchildren at seven, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. I can't understand how I could do it. I was forced into doing it. I had to become responsible. I had to be grown up. So when I got out of the military, you know, I was already bred into, I bought my first bike on my own. I made money when I bought my bike. I used to go to a bar where they uh, called the Top Hat in upstate New York and I polish shoes. You know, I, they'd give me, and, and it was, it was a black bar and these guys loved me. I, I was brought up in an Italian black neighborhood. In the middle of the civil rights movement, which is. This is early 60s. Yeah. So you're... Oh, that was the 50s. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the 50s because right. I was. Prior, prior to civil rights. Movement. Shoe shining. These guys were my buddies, you know, and, and they, they, instead of Richard, because that's who I go by, they call me Dickie. No. <laughs> and so, you know, I'd polish shoes and I'd go bought my first bike and man, I took care of it. When I bought my next bike, I sold it. I made money off of it. You, you know, I, I was like my uncle, my great uncle, his name was Jerry. He said, I've never seen anybody like you. You, you buy, no matter what you did, you turned it into profit. It's true. Mm. You know, the same thing when profit. eBay was hot, he'd buy computers and flip them for profit. <laughs> now, now do, like, you, what he knows. Do, do you feel that was something that was innate within you? Or do you I feel like it's part of my soul? Part of your soul. See, part we of your all genie. have this. Don't yeah. We all have the ability to have. I mean, it, it's a happiness ability. We all have it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't know how to turn it on. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, because we become the effect. In order to have, you've got to con confront life, contribute to it, take responsibility for it, and create it. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're not doing those things, then you're at the bottom end. You must be confronted. You must be contributed to, and you think Ooh. it was all created, okay? Let's Fire. See? Yeah, that's a clue. <laughs> now you think now that wow. life owes me, whereas at the top, I believe I'm creating it. Mm -hmm. I believe in God, you know, but let's see. So now with your question, when you're sitting in a position in life and you just sit there and you don't say much, you know, I was, I was bashful because I thought, well, you know, what am I going to talk about? And I'm going to talk about, I don't think I'm smart. 
okay, I never thought I was smart because I really was, you know, treated like you dummy, you're stupid, you know, that kind of stuff as a child. So I never had any confidence in myself. But when I found that I could talk, and then I found myself talking, all of a sudden, I opened up the channels to the higher powers, and it just flooded in. It mm -hmm. was like I was, I was finding myself lecturing to people and saying things that were just truths. Because when you channel into the truth, the truth is powerful. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you say truths, truths, truths. And, it, and people start lining up and saying, hey, this guy's saying stuff that makes sense. Before you know it, I, I built a lecturing business. I mm -hmm. had my own course, my own millionaire's course. And I would stand in front of the people. I'd go in front of an audience like this one right now. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to, it's going to become a natural phenomenon for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then the truth or what we should be talking about, what's necessary based on the people that are in the group will come out. And then channel in all the power. I can't relate mm. to that in any way. That I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> you know because that's what happens when you when you when you open yourself up, mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of people look at the guy that's doing the lecturing and they go, "God, I wish I could do that. Just get up there and just fumble all over the place. Fumble, fumble." You know, I was introduced by a famous, a famous, famous woman once, um, in, in a because I was lecturing. And and she was a cap. She was I don't know what she was, but uh, her yeah. name is Ann Rand. Yeah. Okay. And I was out on a lecture with her, and and uh, that's, and, that's one of my favorites right there. I couldn't. I, I don't know what I was doing there. You know, it's like what the? How did I get here? Atlas you know, drugs. Like, that's the power yeah. of the truth. When you yeah. just keep going, you just keep going, and as long as you're really being honest and you're being truthful, the path just keeps opening, keeps opening, keeps opening. And all of a sudden, I'm now, I got people, thousands and thousands of people listening to me. I did my first satellite seminar in 1980. 40,000 people cost <laughs> me a million dollars. Two-way communication to 27 cities. Mm. Okay, get that. 27 cities. Two-way communities. Yeah. In 1980, I was in the Beverly Hilton Hotel. And I got people two-way communication. It was unbelievable. Cost me a million dollars. Today we can do it for free with Zoom. Yeah. Okay. Cost me a million bucks. I lost fifty grand, but I sold three years advance payments for my millionaire's course. Three years. I had fifty people a month. At that time, it was five thousand dollars a person, and eventually we went to ten thousand, and um, fifty people for for three years full. So then, and that was nine days with me. Can you imagine listening to me for nine days? Oh my God, <laughs> nine days. Okay. And eventually I start bringing in guests saying, come on, you need to come and do this. They need to hear from other people. And, and that's, and it was all, I would stand in front of someone and I'd say, all right, what am I going to say? And I just start talking. And then I'd say, somebody please tape this because I need to hear this. This is powerful stuff that's coming from me right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Because mm. if you're an honest person, and it's what I said in the beginning, what's, what's coming out is what's coming out. It's what I'm seeing. It's coming like this. It's coming like this. It's not like, oh, man, these people are jerk offs. And I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to give them a bunch of bullshit. Mm -hmm. You see, and that's how some people are. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We all know the truth. We all have the ability to read each other's minds. That's why I've had success. Because when I go into, into a place, most people 
they may not like me because I got a big mouth or they might like the way I look or they might think I'm stupid in their own way because of their own vanity, but they think there's something right about me, you see? And, 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 that's, and that's powerful, you know, because what's coming out is what I'm thinking. And if I'm looking at you and you start talking, I'm looking at your pictures. I'm looking at your pictures. I'm looking at your pictures. And you all think in pictures. So if I say right now, think of something that happened to you when you were a little kid, go ahead, do it. See what she did there? Really She's the go. only one who went to it. <laughs> she went like this. She looked into the past. I looked at you. I was like, hmm. Okay. And then she pulled it into present time. And 99% of the people will tell me something that hurt them, scared them, or something like that. Because there's a lot of energy connected to that picture. Mm. Okay? So they'll say, what were you going to say? I, I was still trying to think. Okay. I haven't had anything. I don't think I had anything traumatic when I was little. I had a pretty good childhood. So. Are we trying to think of traumatic things? Well, <laughs> well, most of the time they think, well, I fell off a ladder. Or I okay. got scolded for this. You know, because if you all, everybody's mind is mental picture. Mm -hmm. And every mental picture has an emotion. It has a decision. It has a physical sensation. Yep. That's your mind. That's how, okay. you, that's how it sticks. That's right. So if you understand your mind, okay, some, I, I got to the point, and I need to do this again because you get lost, okay? You start thinking, geez, I have this pain in my head. That's the pain connected to that picture. What's the picture connected to the pain, you see? So we all have these. Now, so therefore, if, if I walked into the room and I was just talking bad about you in the next room and I walk in and I'm not picking on you, but I, and I walk in and I, and I, I said, you say, Hey, so what's going on? And I, the first thing I do is I look in my mind and I'm thinking, geez, I was just bad mouthing her over here. Right. You're going to look at me and go, you're looking at my pictures and you're going to say, I wonder what he's thinking. Yeah. I don't know. What, I, something's not right here. <laughs> my but, ears you know. are ringing. <laughs> itches <laughs> and you're gonna see it you're gonna feel it right but i'm thinking it because i've done it so to me i've learned to, to flush that out we mm. we ruin our own minds with our own bullshit so what your I want a couple things a couple questions related to that what's your association okay. with silva silva i took jose silva's courses years let's go back to the military when i got out of the military I was pretty screwed up and I couldn't tell anybody. I met my wife and I needed to be the best that I could be. Now, in almost every beginning of a relationship, you start off with lies. Okay, because if I walked up to her and I told her who I really was, I had already had sex. She was a virgin, right? You know, in fact, you know, in fact, I'll tell you that. So I said to her on my first date, I said, What do you think about sex before marriage? She goes, no way. She said, what about you? I said, hell yeah. <laughs> and she shut down. And I looked at her and I said, I blew it. If I want the second date, I better lie right here. Gotcha. I said. <laughs> I wish Esther was here right now. I, I know. I'll, I'll ask her, did you know that he was totally bullshitting you when he said gotcha? Like, I don't oh. think so. She really she believed was you? sincerely honest because I... It, she was you know, looking at your pictures. One start. <laughs> no, she was enough to that, yeah. She was a young girl and she was a pretty honest girl and therefore mm. this was all new. 
and I lied to her. Mm-hmm. But now I got a lie. And when you start with a lie, it just turns into a big snowball. It gets bigger mm-hmm. and bigger and bigger, you see. So, I mean, so she honestly thought you were a virgin before you guys got yeah, married. I did the best I could to make her Italian think. dude from New York that was in the <laughs> Vietnam War is a virgin. <laughs> I, I wish she was here because I guarantee you she's like, oh, Richie, I wanted you to believe that I believed you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get, her, you get her on the next podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she's a sweetheart. I love her. But, I, but go with this because you're right about this. This is beautiful. It, it, when you when relationships begin with lies and very yeah, many they yeah. do so you see there's four stages of a relationship okay stage one is really romance but romance is full of lies it's an illusion because you're not I, if i walked up to her and said listen i've already had sex with several girls <laughs> you know i was thinking the first second i saw you and though i knew i wanted to marry you that you were maybe and i would you know maybe have sex. <laughs> you know but that's the way it is with guys you know and um and my folks are messed up i mean i was abused when i was a kid because of the torture of having to do this and by the way i was in the army and i was drugged in the army <laughs> mm. Will you go out with me tonight? <laughs> Not a chance, right? You see, it's, you don't. So I did everything I could to be the best that I could. And it was almost like I was stressed all the time because this was my wife. I needed to prove to her I was worthy of that. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't going to marry a guy. And I lost my temper a few times. And she wanted nothing to do with that. This guy's got a temper. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New York Italian. <laughs> Never heard of it. So, so you know, I'm now, I'm, I'm now really working hard at it. And anyway, so we got married, and you know, I don't know how that happened, but we got pregnant, and that guy in the other room was a reason. <laughs> Is he your only child? No. no oh, okay. So he's the oldest. So, uh, but now um, I needed to do something. I mm. knew I had problems. Okay, so I immediately did Jose Silva. Jose Silva's mind control is, uh, it's the early 70s. It's, uh, he started in the 50s and the 60s and he teaches you how to control your own mind. The biggest problem we have is the encounter with self. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's all of our past family experiences, our past experiences, you know, the things that we have in our minds is what causes us to be who we are today. The lowercase mm-hmm. self, self a small s yeah like ego egoic self yeah well we 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 create our own masks and the mask that we create is the mask that i put up front because i don't want you to see the weakness of this guy or the sissiness of this guy or the sensitivity and that's how most of your men are mainly okay they they've got this mask out here you know you know i think i'm going to protect my wife with this mask but mostly what I did was scared her with this mask. Because I put this rock, don't mess with me, I'm a badass. Mm. That, you know, everyone becomes the effect of that mask. <laughs> mm-hmm, and, you know, mm-hmm. But the whole purpose of that was my own fears, my own weaknesses, my own inhibitions, my, my, my fear from what happened to me in the military, you know. But I did not want to become the effect because I knew that if I was the effect, then I was going to have to be supported my whole lifetime. Mm-hmm. I did not want that. I needed to support myself. So I did not take disability. I mean, I could have, if I, if I would have been the effect, 
instead of claws. Mm. Okay. If I didn't mm. think of that, I would have turned myself in and said, look, I'm in trouble. You guys did it to me. You owe me a paycheck for the mm -hmm. rest of my life. I would have gotten well over a million bucks, mm. well over a million bucks. Instead, I had to go make that million bucks. Mm. And by the time I was 20, 22 years old, two million bucks in the bank. Nice. Did any of the other guys take the disability? Oh, they all did. They all did. Do you still stay in touch with them? Oh, the only ones that are alive, yes. So let me ask you a question. So how do you import that uh, philosophy onto your, how did you import that onto your children? And how do you do that with the general public or people you're trying to, you know, effectuate change with? Well, you know, I did the best I could to teach mm -hmm. them about integrity. Okay. Mm -hmm. I did the best to teach them that no one was going to give them a free ride. You have to be responsible. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and if, if you're responsible, then it's going to work, especially if you're honest, if you're, if you're dishonest, people see that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you all know how many times have you done a deal with someone and you thought, I'd better not. You know, you saw the mental pictures around that someone, they were all black. Because when someone's hiding who they really are, mm. they throw all kinds of things in front of them and say, look who I am. See, I'm somebody cool, you know, see? But they're mm. not real, okay? And you ended up getting sucked into that and you invest in them. And when you invest in them, guess what? You go, I knew it. What a stupid ass I am. Why did I do it? We all do that. Or whether that's somebody you're dating or you, you go on a date. Whatever it's, yeah. it's, it's, whatever it is, it's the relationship. You yeah. know, if it's I'm going to invest with you or, you know, we're going to be friends or, you know. I mean, I have a lot of people hanging around me. They just want to hang around me because they think I'm going to have success and they want to see how they can get a piece of it. You know, that's the way it is. I have people hanging around me. They, they want to support me and be my friend and. And, and help me to have that success. And that's mm. what it is. My business model has always been reciprocation, cooperation, because I believe that we can be partners and all have a win, okay? And every business model I've ever done, and if you understand the current one I'm doing, it's pretty awesome. Everybody mm -hmm. wins. And, and But there's a lot of people that their greed gets in the way. And so there's greed as part of it. And then there's philanthropy as part of it because you want these people in and you want these people in, but ultimately everyone has to win. And so I taught that to my kids and my kids are pretty honest kids. I mean, I know I've got relatives and friends who have children. My, my, my youngest child just turned 40 um, and my oldest son is 52. And, um, and they're all super honest and very responsible. And we don't have druggies or people that are, you know, mm. messed up. You know, they, they, they're all make their own living. You know, they all help me, you know, my, my goal Great. in life is to make sure that I provide for them and their children and your children as well. See, to me, I want to, I want to do as much good as I can. And it's harder because it's harder when you're doing good because a lot of people, look at this and they go, yeah, you know, I, you know, what can I get out of it? And I try to show them how they can get a lot out of it. But still, it seems like it's harder to uh, finance things when, when you're doing good, when you think, you know, you think that it would be easier. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars out there right now. I mean, the government's upside down. I mean, they're spending money like mad. The border's caving in. You know, we're going to have inflation like mad. 
And, and we do have inflation. Mm. <laughs> no, it's going to be worse. What we're looking at right now is the beginnings of it, okay? Jesus. But when you come down to the bottom line, okay, give me a hundred million bucks, put it into this company, I'll make sure everyone wins, and we're going to change the economics of the world through commerce. I've got the formula. It was channeled into mm -hmm. it. It's perfect, okay? But we need to get the money to do it. And, and that's it. All those billions and trillions, we can do it. That's the game plan, you know. So going backwards, Silva's mind control helped me to be in control of me and to be able to use my psychic ability to be able to be in control and know, and know. you know, I learned a lot. I learned how the mind is the biggest asset. Truthfully, I tell this to my kids today, my grandkids, because they're worried about having to get a vaccine passport in order to go to college. I'm saying, don't do the vaccine. Sorry. <laughs> you don't know what's in it. Why do we experiment? What do we need to do? I don't want my grandchildren to become sterile or have sickness for the rest of their life. Wait and see how many people they can come back and prove that it was good. In the meantime, if school says you have to do this passport vaccine in order to do, get out of it. Let's go to Mind Valley. Let's mm. go to schools to teach you how to use your mind because your mind is your biggest asset. I know people have PhDs, they're smart, like math. They've got the math, the spelling, the writing now, but their mind doesn't know nothing about how to create. It's mm -hmm. all right here, okay? PhD doesn't mean anything to me. Being able to use your mind. And you clog up your own mind with your own little lies. How much time do we have left? I'll say one more show. No, keep going. Go. We have I don't have a time limit. <laughs> today with you. I don't have reps today. Have no no reps. meetings. No meetings. Keep going. This is great. This is I our have, Valentine's Day special. I know. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move my dry for no reason. So if you've got, if you've got, if, let's say we have a thousand attention units. It's like our mm. bank. Okay. These are attention units. And if you've got a thousand attention units and they're just there in front of you and you can use them, it's like the power of your mind. Hmm. You can do as he can do. You can raise the dead and heal the sick and greater things you can do because you're using 100% of your mind. <laughs> but right now, we're only using 5% or 10% of it. I think I'm using 20 to 25% of my mind. Okay. When I walk into places and if I actually open up and start talking, people go, hmm, there's interest there. There's something there. I need to hear, learn, understand, because I keep looking for how to untap the power of the mind. Mm. Does that make sense, mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But the first thing you need to do is stop cluttering, cluttering it up. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a little story of how you clutter up your mind. So my boss says to me, I love this story, <laughs> Richard, I need you in tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. because we got the coming in. We're going to close this deal. We're going to make a lot of money. I'm going to give you a bonus. You haven't had a boss in an incredibly long time, so you want to create some context. <laughs> it's just a story. It's okay. an analogy. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Not his boss. Hypothetical boss. Yeah, hypothetical, <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm guy for 10, and I say, okay, boss, I'm going to do it. We all have this going on in our life. We're, there's nobody different. We're all part of the same souls. Okay, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all we all love each other. You know, the only differences between us is the aberrations that we actually have to get rid of in our own soul. 
and we can get rid of them if we just start working on it, working on it, okay? And so, and there's a lot of stuff, mindfulness and things that you can do, but I really studied it for the first 20, 25 years of my life. I need to get back. This is reminding me that <laughs> we lose sight. You know, you get on the diet and you lose the weight and then you go back, mm. right? You look at me, you know, overweight. I mean, I used to be in good shape, but you just get lost in the stress of life and stress, you know, is, is a killer. So I say, yeah, boss, I'm in, right? So I get my ass home that night, and I'm getting all set up, and I turn my alarm on. And I'm going to be up at 6 o'clock to make sure I'm there at 8 a.m. My alarm doesn't go off. I wake up at 8 a.m. sharp. Now I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. I jump in the car. I, you know, get... I don't even take a shower. <laughs> it's like I get in the car and I'm driving like 90 miles an hour on the freeway. I'm going to get there. My phone rings. Where are you? Oh, man. I'm sorry, man. I got up in time. I'm all set. I'm on the freeway. I'm at a dead stop. The traffic's. I didn't mean it. It's the traffic. Mm. That's a lie. Mm. See? So now I'm sitting there with that lie. What do you think he's saying on the other side? Uh-huh. Bullshit. <laughs> we all know the truth, mm-hmm. right? So now I hustle to get to the office and I pull in just as the other car's leaving with the big deal. Oh. Okay? I walk in the office. I don't have the ability to confront my boss. Mm. He's so pissed at me. Now, what's this relationship going to look like? We get into these relationships all the time. The lie. For a problem to exist between the people, it must contain a lie. Mm. Okay? Mm. So I now, I'm miserable. I'm walking around my office, and I'm thinking, Jesus, I lied to my boss. We lost a deal. And I'm guilty because I know I lied. And he's pissed off in the other room going, well, we lost a deal. I thought I could count on you. What the heck? And I feel like you lied. You did something wrong. But I can't walk up to you and say, you're a liar. You know what I mean? You don't Mm -hmm. do that to people. I think this is one of my biggest problems is I walk around and I know people are lying to me and I just don't know how to deal with it. Just stop with the lie. Let's get our ass in gear and make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need excuses. Okay. That's frustrating to me because I, I'm not lying. Okay. We're going to make this work. So what happens? The only way out is the truth. So I walk mm-hmm. in the other room and I go, bye. John. <laughs> You know, the other night you wanted me to show up or the other morning. I am so sorry. I have to tell you with my heart and soul, I lied. I lied. I didn't have the guts to tell you. I, I don't know. I set my alarm or I even didn't set my alarm. Whatever the truth is. Okay. And immediately, immediately, <laughs> he goes, you knew it, you son of a bitch. I didn't know it. And I'm going, oh, God, thank you. You're going to fire me? No, no, man. Let's just come. We got to just make it work. That's how we are in life. You know, your kid can't pay the bill. He, you loan him the money. He can't stand up to his own. You, don't give me a lie. You tell me, Dad, I really just tried and I couldn't do it. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you one. I gave them the responsibility. I didn't give them the car. I said, here's the car. We're partners. I'm going to show you how to invest. Okay? But don't lie to me. Let's be honest. Because that's the power of success. You know? Mm. And uh, 
I love and, that. And so what happens is every time you do a lie, okay, you get rid of those attention loops. Okay, so you subtract them. And I relate this to like a computer. RAM. RAM, hard drive. So, you you know, you, you, you did two hours worth of bad things. I don't know what you did, but you got all these pictures. Your computer is nothing but mental pictures, right? And you go, oh, man, if anyone saw this, oh, they're going to know I was doing this was bad, whatever it was. We all have our bad box, right? Can't let anyone see that. So you file it in your drawer or in your hard drive, and then you figure, well, somebody's going to find it, so I better create a different fake file in front of it. Mm. And then someone, I better name it a different name so that no one can see it. So now I used all this hard drive to, for the crap. Then I used more hard drive to hide it. Then I used more hard drive. And then I'm walking around worried someone's going to look at my hard drive. Hmm. We're destroying ourselves. Yeah. Does mm. that make any sense what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. See? Well, let me show you this hard drive. I'm a bad dude, you know? Let me get this out. Let me clean this up. And every time I did that throughout my whole life, I think 25%. I'm afraid to say it because I got to 25% and I went back down to 20 or 18 because I stopped all this stuff. So the truth will set you free. Did, I love it. did you notice a, a change in success when you were honest with people when you oh, started? Yeah, people, I've got friends. This guy, he <laughs> trusts me. <laughs> I mean, we haven't had a perfect relationship. Right? But it's been good. Right? Mm -hmm. He trusts me. He knows he can count on me. And I know I can count on him. I see who he is. I see his weaknesses. I see his faults. I see his problems. But I want I love him for the goodness in him and the weakness in him. But I gotta know the problem. When I know the problem, then I say, mm -hmm. Well, I can't use Sebastian over here mm -hmm. because that's one of his weaknesses. But boy, you put Sebastian over here, he's gonna destroy it with power. You see? Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. Right. So to me, you know, yes, you know, I find that every time I dealt with people like that, I ended up with another friend. I've got friends. I'm, I'm really proud of that. My lawyer, he's been with me for almost 40 years. Wow. I've got high school buddies that are my friends because I went back when I was when I learned about investments in the early days. Um, I learned well, first off. You know, we're all duped because the guy above us is telling us we got to sell this product because we're going to make more money here and it's the best thing for the client, right? We go out and we sell the client. Hey, let me tell you, this is the best freaking mic out there. Just no other better mic. And there's and the other guy selling another one said, this is the best mic. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a refrigerator salesman tell you that there was a better refrigerator out there. <laughs> that, right? So we're all duped into believing, and we all look for some kind of news article that can say that this is the one, this is it, you know, and that's what they're doing out there. Well, when you get into investments, it's the same way. They say, this is the best investment plan you can get, this one. Okay? I, I'm so good, and I'm so honest, I sell the hell out of them. Mm. And I find out that was bullshit. I was duped. And this is God's honest truth. I was working for 
Every company I ever worked for, I was the best salesman they had. So they would give me the product and I think I understood it. I sell it. People buy in because they believe and trust in me. That's who I am. And then I find out that I was duped. You know what I did? I went back to every one of them. And I said, let me tell you, I screwed you. That's tough. Let me tell you, I lied to you. I really was still in bed when, when you called me. <laughs> you see, I thought when I sold you that thing was the best. But now you got to make a choice here. You can decide I want to stay with you, Richard Stewart, because I can't do this with you or you. I'm talking to clients. I can't figure out what to do. This investment arena is so crazy. How do I know what the truth is? You're out there every day. I've got to trust somebody. Will you trust me? And I will make sure. So I go back and say, this is bad. But we now need to really upgrade this to this because this is better. But I tell you, when I figure out that this is the bad one too, I'll be back. But I'm going to do everything I can to make sure when you're in your late years of life, you're going to be in a good situation because I'm looking out for your interest. They believe me. And I've done it over and over because that's the truth. And that's my friends. They're all my friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, can you talk about the investments that you've, uh, well, today, had. okay, I'll tell you, this is my, okay, everybody's got a stock deal, mm -hmm. okay, and now we got, everybody's got a new cryptocurrency coming out, man, how many times you put your money in and it goes up and then psh, you're mm -hmm. down, it's like, shit, I can't make any money on these things unless yeah. I got an inside scoop, mm -hmm. here's the inside scoop, gold, silver, <laughs> okay, this is the inside scoop. All the bullshit that's going on right now, everybody's trying to make it look bad. And it's going to, it's bad. What's going on in the economy right now, it's, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. I believe we're going to have a hell of an economic collapse. Okay? And maybe cryptocurrency will be it. Okay? Maybe. I've got a bunch. But if it is, and it, because the government doesn't want it to be. So you got that tug of war over there. But yeah. if deep state breaks off, and it can't do anything about it, cryptocurrency is going to go to a million bucks. Mm -hmm. Okay, but every dollar you put in it, you're at risk. Right. Every dollar is at risk because someday they come back and say, stop. I think I think when whenever somebody starts talking about an, uh, an investment, like when the masses start talking about it, it's already too late. That's that's my opinion. It's already what? When, when the masses start talking about a particular investment opportunity, it's when the late. masses, it's already too late. That's right. Yeah. When everybody else wants in, it's time to get out. Yeah. Warren Buffett, yeah. get in when everybody's getting out, get out when everybody's getting in. So let me tell you, like, I've got a lot of success stories, in this, but mm -hmm. back in 1970. Where did you make most of your money? Real quick, just for uh, framing here. Real estate? Yeah. But where, where do I, I mean, I've got lots of real estate, but I made a lot of money in real estate. I'm still making money in real estate, but right now, if you go out and buy a house, you know, interest rates go up. What's going to happen to the value? The value of your house is based on how much a month you, if you can spend 2000 a month for a payment, mm -hmm. then if interest rates are down, that means you can buy a lot more with $2,000 than you can if interest rates goes up. So it's just, it's all, it's all fixed, just like that investment. Mm -hmm. Consumer purchasing power, which is about to get hammered, which is going to change the market. That's right. Yeah. So in 1970, I'll tell you this one more story. Okay. Cause it has to do with, 
today. Mm. Okay. In 1970, um, I, I, I had nothing. I got out of the army, you know, I was married. I had my son was born and I got to be a responsible father and a husband. I want to, I'm still trying to prove to my wife <laughs> I'm the right guy. Okay. Cause I'll tell you, we had to get married. All right. Because I'm a hell of a salesman and I convinced her <laughs> to have that sex with me. <laughs> and, then, and then she got pregnant. And when she told me that she was pregnant, that was it. I'm there. Even though she dumped me, I went to Woodstock, you know, I was at Woodstock and uh, she broke up with me. It was over with because of my temper. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, 1969. 1969, I was at Woodstock. Mm -hmm. It was a rainy, wet August. night. August. <laughs> Muddy, rainy. I didn't know Woodstock <laughs> was going on. I had no idea. Yeah. I was driving up the highway and I saw these girls on the hood of a car and they were all topless. Now, what do you think would happen? I heard. <laughs> pulled over and parked in this gas station, ran over, jumped over to medium, said, where are we going? We're going to Woodstock. You know? <laughs> Literally, three beautiful girls on the, on the roof of the car. 60s, man. Wild time. Yeah. And so I went to Woodstock. My wife, Esther, already broke up with me. She threw my ring, ring at me, said, I can't, I, I can't marry you. You just have a temper. Promise you, I'll do everything I can to get rid of her, but you just can't change that easy, right? Mm -hmm. We work at it, we try, but we do it. Eventually, we change, all right? So I went to Woodstock, came back, you know, went upstate New York and did all that, had fun, and and I went to see her, and we had sex, and I left. She's a registered nurse. She's a nurse. She's going to nursing school, and she's a, as I say, she's a gorgeous person. And uh, I, um, I go back to college, get back in college in California. I'm ready to just, I know what we're done, right? And she calls me and she says, well, guess what? I'm <laughs> now, I bought two stories I'll give you here. And then you'll shut me up. Thanks. <laughs> I learned something. Before I went in the military in 1963, my boss called me up. And he's a super nice guy. His name was Chris Christian. I was running a gas station. It was in high school. And he says, uh, I got something here you need to see. So I go over there. And um, he points to the stall. And he, see that? I look at it and I go, hmm, yeah. That's a 1946 Cadillac. You need to own that car. <laughs> I said, I can't buy that car. 150 bucks. I said, 150 bucks. You might fill your tank these days. Well, yes. yeah, from that, that 150 bucks, that's a lot of money for me then, you know? I said, no, I can't do that, Chris. He said, come on. And I'm thinking, this guy is treating me so nice. He's been a super duper guy. He trusts me over his brothers. I immediately became the manager of his gas station. I was making way more money than anybody else. And so I had to at least look, see? I don't want it. I'm not gonna buy it, but I'm gonna look. <laughs> so I get in the car and I'm looking. He says, "Look, I'll give it to you for a hundred bucks." I look around, and in, in those days they have a firewall. It's the passenger side. You sit here, driver's side, passenger side. This wall by your feet is called a firewall for whatever reason, and it has a stitched in there letter, le leather. And it has this packet, little piece of paper. So I pull out the piece of paper, I unfold it, and it says date of birth. 
June 1st, 1946. Weird. That's birthday. Oh. Mm -hmm. I go, this car has to be mine now. <laughs> Remember, I've already bought cars and things in my life. I'm making, I always, I've been successful with little bikes and stuff. I need this car. So I bought the car. As I'm coming out, I, he says, okay, $75. I says, <laughs> wow. I said, all Seven. right, Chris, I'll give you the money. He's no, I'm down to 75. It's Chris. <laughs> he says, I said, no, I'll give you the money. So I get the car, I take it, put it home, I go to the military, I live my life, I do all the things I need to do, and um, get married. Oh, I'm not not ready to get married yet. I just we my wife calls me and she says we're going to have to. You tell me what you want to do. She didn't order to me to do anything. I'm marrying you. I said I'm the man. I will prove to you I'm worthy of your being your husband. Wait a minute, so, so, sorry, I know you're around with this. So you bought the car. Uh, it's 1963. And you just put it in the garage. Let us sit there. If you, you guys probably don't know cars, but this is, I, this is interesting. Okay. So 1963. Now I'm in 1967, right? I'm getting married. Time to get married. Now, I call my dad and he says, Dad, can you loan me five grand? I need five grand. Are you kidding me? You made your bed, now you lie Mm -hmm. Same old story I got my whole lifetime. So I say, okay, um, how the hell am I going to buy a ring, buy a wedding dress, buy all this stuff? And this is a Catholic wedding. The, mm -hmm. the, usually the, the bride's family does it, but they don't have any money. I'm not going to let them do this. You know, I'm already guilty. I got this beautiful Catholic girl pregnant. What a jerk off I am. That never happens. <laughs> I know it never happens. Yeah. So now I'm thinking, Oh, I got this car. So I go back to California and I sell my car. I sold that car and made enough to pay almost the whole wedding, her wedding gown, the, the, the mariachis, <laughs> the music, the band, the everything. I didn't pay it all because the family pushed money up, but I took that car and sold it for thousands of dollars <laughs> and paid. I now know I better own cars. Mm -hmm. I bought a lot of cars. Okay. Dang. So wow. that's it's embedded right here, right? So then now I'm in in the 70s, he was born in 1970, April 9th. And and I'm now going, how am I going to rise above and be something special? So I walk into a bank and I said to the banker, I said, I need to borrow 60 grand. And he looked at me, he says, All right. I mean, I didn't look like someone that could afford a $60,000 loan. I couldn't. Okay. I was working in a printing shop at the time. And he said, oh, well, uh, I said, he said, what do you have as collateral? I said, what do you take? Listen to the banker. I'll take cars. I'll take land, certain stocks, gold, and silver. Now, two weeks earlier, I walked into a gold store. And I saw all this gold for this guy was selling. I said, oh, I've got gold. I got it. <laughs> he said, well, you bring me $60,000 with the gold, dude, and you got the gold. You postulated. That's right. I'll tell you the difference between a postulate and a lie. There's a big, because you look them up, they're the same definition. So I now go to the gold store, and I tell this guy, I said, look, at, what do you give me if I sell $60,000 worth of gold today? <laughs> he said, I'll give you 5%. 
I said, okay, let's do the deal. <laughs> so I take him to the banker and he brings in 1,500 gold coins, $20 gold piece, 1,500 of them, 1,500 of them, okay? It was $60,000. How much is that today? $3 million, okay? Oh, let's just pay attention here, right? It's $3 million for the same coins. He brings in 1,500, he lays them down. Now, the rule was, since 1939 or 40, gold was at $35, all the way till 1972 or 73. Okay. So the banker looked at it and said, well, it's like buying a car. I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to make payments on it. At the end, I have a car. Can I sell it? Not today. You pay the payments on the car. It's worth half as much as what you mm -hmm. paid for it, right? Well, the, in those days, this gold was going to be worth what it was paid for. That's, that was the bet to banker and to me. I now get the guy, drops it off. He gives me my 5%. I pay six months in advance. And then I go to what's called necessity level. We all have it. We all have to push our own necessity to make life work. So I've now pushed myself to a necessity level. I got to figure out how I'm going $500 freaking dollars every month to pay this damn bill off. Because mm. I don't want to lose the gold, number one. Mm. And I don't want to get bad credit. So I forced myself and I did it and I paid this guy off. And I remember my wife walks downstairs once and says, Hey, Mr. Stewart, this is the last payment on that. I don't know what you do with this. I don't know why you do this, but this is the last payment. And I said, what is it? Oh, it's to make it a Bell Paso. Well, let's go get the file. We opened up the file today. I had $430,000 in value in that bank. Wow. Okay. I just would be happy if I had 60. Just, can you understand why he loves gold? Yeah. As you I already said. $460,000. Now think about this. In 1973, 74, I'm like everybody else. All my friends, we have nothing. We're all, you guys are where you're at right now. You're doing better than most because you're in the marketing and sales and, you know, but. Everybody's suffering out there. Mm. If you really, I can almost walk into people's houses and tell you how much money they have in a bank because I have that, you know, that metaphysical concept. See, I had four hundred and fifty thousand freaking dollars. Mm -hmm. I bought me a car, GT forty. <laughs> nice. I bought my house. These things. I had money. That was a rich man. For four hundred thousand dollars, I was rich in nineteen seventy-four. See. Mm. There you go. So today it's the same thing. All the way through my life, I kept buying gold. I kept investing in hard money. And, um, and I think that you're going to see, you're going to see it could go down. It could do it. But I can, right now, I'm telling any investor, put up $100 million. Here's what I say. Put up $100 million bucks. I don't need, I need $100 million because if we take $100 million bucks and we launch this program that we're working on, we'll blow it away. We'll take America, Mexico, and Canada. We'll take it because that's it. We've got cities that want to use what we have. We've got a system that is just blown away. It's so awesome. Okay? So you put up $100 million bucks, and I'm going to give you stock in the company. I'm going to take and give you dividends on, on an opportunity. I'm throwing you into it. And I'm going to take the hundred million bucks and I'm putting it in gold. Then I'm going to borrow as we need it because I got a bank right now that'll loan me against that gold, just like I did it back in 1970. So, okay. 
So I'm going to borrow it as I need it. So let's say I got $100 million and let's say we launched Toledo, Ohio, and we launched San Francisco, and we launched Ohio, uh, you know, Nebraska. And we keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. We use only $30 million of it. The shit hits the fan. It's going to hit. The shit's going to hit the fan. Shit hits the fan. We borrow $30 million of the 100 What do you think happens to the $30 million? We didn't sell it. We still own it. Mm-hmm. It goes to 80 million, it goes to 50 million, it goes to 60 million. Then I take off the little 30, pay off the bank. I'm still with over $100 million worth of gold. And now we're sitting in a powerful position. We have a, po- a package that will survive it. We're talking about uh, fractionalizing ownership of the company, fractionalizing the income of the company to everyone that's involved. We're talking about an NFT, the profits that we make for all the people. We're talking about futuristic stuff. In today's market, we're we're sitting pretty for what we have. And we're going to be sitting there with $500 million in the bank to buy all those other stupid companies that aren't doing this. I talked to two companies that are saying, we got $30 million in the bank, both of them. And I said, yeah, so what are you going to do when the shit hits the fan? Well, what am I supposed to do? Let me tell you what you should do. Because... That money, the dollar is not going to be worth anything. I've got mm-hmm. money in the bank, and I'm worried about the money <clears> in the bank. Today is a different world, and I'm telling you, even though it's different, <clears throat> you better buy some gold. Different in some ways, but on a historical level, you're referencing the well, 70s. That's, that what would... I was, that's the point. Yeah. It's different what's going on in this world than it ever has before, but to me, I just can't think. We have seen this fiscal situation before, right? In the 70s, we had the gas crisis. That's right. You had major inflation. You had the Hunts brothers try to corner the silver market. That was all in the 70s, and then Reagan takes office. We have interest rates at 18%, and we're not talking credit card. talking mortgage interest rates. We're at 18%, right? Hyperinflation. That's insane. I don't even want to hear it. I had a million dollars in the bank, and I was making $180,000 a year. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Mm. So it's it when I hear him speak, it's like he's got precedent to what he's saying. It's like, hey, I've been through this. I've seen what this looks like. I know what this looks like. And certainly there are enough similarities to to take note. So I love it. Yeah. To me, I cannot imagine. You know, I know power people that really say, you know, gold. You got to be in gold and silver. Silver, we're all do gold. It will all do gold. So you know. Well, we got to land this plane for today, but we're going to have you back on because there's a lot of other stories that we didn't mm-hmm. get into. Uh, your millionaires course and and some of the people that you've coached and rubbed elbows with. And I don't know that we actually covered anything too. Much. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fun though, and there's a lot. There's great. a lot there. So I appreciate you having it on. Um, this was a good a good chat. I think it gives everyone a lot to think about, and we'll come back to this one again. Good. Well, thank you all. Thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> Absolutely.